Shalom to all. Today's office Yumadaf Nun Aleph, and we are starting four lines from the top, the last word on the line. Now, we had quoted a Brysa on the previous Daf contrasting a Tamura animal and a carbon. The Lushan of the Brysa was, After a long Shalkavatari, we clarified that the Brysa was teaching that there is a specific type of carbon which has a greater stringency than the general category of Tamura, and the general category of Tamura has a greater stringency than this specific carbon. Now, the differences are as follows this carbon has a greater stringency in that it could be a carbon yachid or tzibor. It's Akrava will be Daicha Shabbos and Toma, and it can affect the Tamura. And the general category of Tamura is more strict than this carbon because Tamura can be affected on an animal that has a permanent mum, and the Tamura animal can't ever become full fledged chulin to the extent that we're allowed to shear it and work with it. Now, there were two ways of understanding what specific carbon was being spoken about. Either the brass is referring to the power of the Kain Gadol on Yom Kippur, or as Rav Shesha suggests, it's referring to the Isle of the Kain Gadol brought on Yom Kippur. And now the Gemara asks on Rav Sheshes, or Rav Sheshes, he explains the brass as talking about. The Isle of Aaron. Look at Pesach. Why doesn't he say that it's talking about the carbon Pesach? And it can affect the Tamur because it's a carbon Yachid. The Gemara answers, Kasavar, he holds, We can't shech the carbon Pesach for an individual. It has to be shechted for a group of people, and therefore it's considered a carbon of Shutfim and not a carbon Yachid. Ask the Gemara, okay, so why doesn't he establish the Bryce as talking about Pesach Sheni, which could be shechted for an individual? The Gemara answers, Will the Pesach Sheni be Dachatoma? It's not going to be Dachatoma, and therefore it must be that the only other option the Rav Sheshes could have chosen was the Isle of the Kain Gadol on Yom Kippur. And now going back to Nun Amad Aleph, we had quoted a Mishnah in which the Tanakhama referred to the carbon Pesach as a carbon of a Yachid, and a carbon Chagiga, which is the carbon brought by individuals on Yantef, as a carbon Sibor. So now the Gemara says, Amalei Rav Huna Rav Yeshua Rava, Rav Huna Rav Yeshua asks Rava, the Tana, that Tana of the Mishnah, Maishna Pesach the Karyalei Carbon Yachid, why is it that he calls the Pesach a carbon Yachid, or Maishna Chagiga the Karyalei Carbon Sibor? Why does he call the Chagiga a carbon Sibor? Imishum, if you want to say it's because, the Asi Bechinofia, because the carbon Chagiga comes as a group, a whole big gathering of people go up to be Eil Regal, and then they bring their individual carbon chagigas, and that's why the Tanakam is going to consider it like a carbon seabor. So Pesach Nami, the carbon Pesach also comes in a large gathering of people. Everyone goes up to be Eile Regal and brings their carbon Pesach. So Rav answers, Eka Pesach Sheni, what about Pesach Sheni? That doesn't come in a large gathering of people, only individuals that weren't able to bring the Pesach Rishin, so they bring Pesach Sheni. So Amr Lei, Rav Huna Breda Rishu responds, Im Kain if so, Yehei Daicha Shabbos Vesatoma. Pesach Sheni should be Daicha Shabbos and Toma. So Amr Lei, Rav responds to him, In, you're right. The Mishnah is Kemanda Amr Dachi. According to the Manda Amr, that it is he was pushed off from Pesach Rishon to Pesach Sheni because he was Tameh. So he should do carbon Pesach Sheni betoma? That doesn't make sense. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda will answer you. Amar Kron, the Pesach says, They shall do it like every single law of the carbon Pesach itself. Pesach Sheni is even brought b'tama. The Torah said that he should do Pesach Sheni in a state of tahara. He doesn't do Pesach Rishon because he's tamei, so he should do Pesach Sheni b'tahara. However, if he wasn't meritorious to be tahar, so he should do b'tama. So therefore, says Rav, the mission is a contra Yehuda that says that the Pesach Sheni is brought on Shabbos and is brought in the state of tama. And no, Aleph based on the top. Vitepikuli says the Gemara. Why don't I answer the question of Rabbi Lazar that Asher loy Amrachman? The Torah says Asher loy Mishel loy who maybe he has to bring it from his own funds. What's going on over here? We're going back to the question posed by Abelazar on Nunam Abbez, which was, can the power of the Kayan Gadol on Yom Kippur affect Timura? Meaning, is it a private carbon or not? So what's the background? We know that the Kayhanim also gained Kapara through it, potentially turning it into a carbon of Shutfim, which cannot affect Timura. The Tuts Dadim were as follows. On one hand, perhaps the Kayhanim actually have a real Chalik in the par, are considered real Shutfim, and therefore it cannot affect Timura. 
Or are they simply piggybacking on the Kohen Gadol's Kapara, don't have a real chilek in it, and therefore it can affect Timura because it's a private carbon? This latter opinion is called Bekufya. Now, the Gemara attempts to prove this tzad based on the Pasuk, which teaches that the funds used to purchase the par must be private funds from the Kohen Gadol's personal bank account. Titania says in the Brisa, Asher loy. The Pasuk tells us, Asher loy, the hikr of iron is parachatos, Asher loy, Mishaloi who may be. He has to bring a par from his own personal funds. Vloy Mishal Tzibur, he's not allowed to use communal funds. Yachu, you might think, Loyavi Mishal Tzibur, he's not allowed to use communal funds. Because the community, the rest of Klai Yisrael, they don't receive their kapara through it. However, he is allowed to use funds from his brothers the kaihanim. Because his brothers the kaihanim, they do receive kapara through it. That's why another pasuk says, "Asher loy." Yachol, you might think loyavi that lechatchila he is not allowed to use funds from his brothers the kaihanim. Vimhevi. However, if he did use funds from the kaihanim, kasher it's still kasher. That's why the pasuk repeats itself a third time. Asher loy. Shana hakasav alav laakiv. The pasuk repeated itself to say that a necessary component of the power of the Kohen Gadol Yom Kippur is that it comes from his own personal funds. So what was Rebbe Lezer's tzad to say that it's considered a carbon of Shutvim? It's clearly his own carbon, and the only way the other Kohanim are getting their kapara is Bekofya, and therefore, it could affect Timura. So the Gemara responds, Well, Tamech, according to your way of reasoning, Echav HaKohanim, his brothers the Kohanim, Ilav the Kohanim if they didn't receive a little bit of the power, if they don't have a little bit of a chilek in it, Hechim Echaprilhu, how could they receive their kapara? El, it must be, says the Gemara, Shani Begazah da Aaron, that Aaron's Ownership of the par, meaning the Kohen Gadol's ownership of the par is different. The Afkei Rachmana Gabe Echav Hakayhanim, that even though it's purchased by the Kohen Gadol, there is an element of it which is hefker and given to the Kayhanim to attain their kapara. So Hachagabe Timura Nami. Here also, in regards to the whole question of whether or not it could affect the Timura, we could always say that Shani Begazad Da Aaron, the ownership of the Kohen Gadol is different. The Afkei Rachmana Gabe Echav Hakayhanim, that the Torah made it the Kayhanim's enough that it cannot affect the Timura, and that's exactly what Rebbe Lazar's question was. And this Mishnah continues describing the void of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. We had said that he had taken the pan. Of coals in his right hand, the katarus in his left hand, and now he's walking into the hechel. Hayam halchbehechel, he walks through the hechel, achmagil ben shtea parechas, until he gets in between the two parechas, hamavdilois ben hakadish ben kadesh kadashim, that are dividing in between the kadesh, which is the hechel and the kadesh kadashim, ubeneim ama, and the space in between these two parechas is an ama. Rabbi Yisrael, he says, lohesasham el parechas achas balvad. There was only one parechas. Shenemar says in the pasuk, vivdila ha parechas lachem ben hakadesh uben kadesh kadashim. The parechas singular will divide for you in between. Between the Kaddish and the Kaddish Kaddashim. And now the Gemara says, Shapir Kamalu Rabbias to the Rabbanan. Rabbias said good to the Rabbanan. He quoted a Pasuk that proved that there's only one Parachas. So Rabbanan Amilachad, they'll tell you, Hanimilabi Mishkan. That's talking about in the Mishkan. Avalba Mikdash Shani, but with the second base of Mikdash, Kivan to Loi Havai Amatraxin, since there was not an Amatraxin, or Mikdash Rishan Huda Havai, and in the first base of Mikdash there was an Amatraxin, Mistapkaluhul Rabbanan Bitushasa, and the Rabbanan were unsure of its Kedusha, Ekilafinim Ekilachot, is this space considered like inside the Kaddish Kaddashim or like outside? Va'avuch, they Parachas, therefore they made two Parachas. Now what's going on? Over here, there was a number of differences in between the first and second Batei Mikdash. One of them was the divider in between the Hechel and the Kadesh Kadashim. In the first base of Mikdash, there was actually a wall in Amathik which spanned the width of the Hechel and its entire 30 Amma height. This is called the Amatraxin. There was a doorway in the wall, which is where the Preiches was hung. However, since the Hechel in the second base of Mikdash was far taller, the first floor alone being 40 Amas tall, a stable wall only in Amathik couldn't be constructed to reach such a height. The wall couldn't be wider than an Amma in order to support the weight of the taller wall. Because the Pasuk in Devar Yamim teaches that every measurement written in the Pesukim describing the Binyan Beis Hamikdash must remain unchanged. And the Chum were unsure if this Amma space originally occupied by the wall had the Kedusha of the Kaddish Kadashim, and therefore the Parechas should be hung closer to the Hechel, or did it have the Kedusha of the Hechel, and then the Parechas should be hung closer to the Kaddish Kadashim. Therefore, they hung two Parechas spaced an Amma apart from each other. And the Gemara continues, Tanarabana, we have a Brisa. Now let's just remember that the Shulchan, Mizbech, Kataris, and Menaira were in the Hechel. The Menaira was just off of the southern or left wall. The Mizbech was situated in the middle, and the Shulchan was 
was just off of the northern or right wall. So the Brisa tells us, The Kayin Gadol, when he walked from the beginning of the Heichal to the Kaj Kedashim, he walked in between the Mizbech and the Menorah. David Rabbi Yehuda, that's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Rameir Reimer, he says, He actually walked in between the Shulchan and the Mizbech. The Yeshimer, and some say, In between the Shulchan and the wall. Now, man Yeshimer, who's this Yeshimer? Amr of Chizda, he says, Rabbi Yesi, it's Rabbi Yesi. The Amr of Yesi says, Pischa B'tzafen Kai, the opening of the curtain of the Kaj Kedashim is on the northern right wall. Rabbi Yehuda, Amr Lecha, Rabbi Yehuda will tell you, Pischa B'darim Kai, the opening of the curtain of the Kaj Kedashim is on the left side on the Darim. Now the Gemara asks, Rav Meir, come on, Svirle, who does Rav Meir hold like? Eek Rabbi Yehuda, Svirle, if he holds like Rabbi Yehuda, nail Rabbi Yehuda, so then why doesn't the Kayan Gadol walk like Rabbi Yehuda says he should in between the Menar and the Mizbech? And Eek Rabbi Yesi, Svirle, if he holds like Rabbi Yesi, nail Rabbi Yesi, so then why doesn't the Kayan Gadol walk like Rabbi Yesi says along the wall in between the Shulchan and the wall? So we answer, the numerous shulchanis that we know were in the Beis Hamikdash, there wasn't only one. Shlomo Melch actually added on ten shulchanis, so they were placed tzaf and vidarim. They were placed all the way up against the wall towards the mizbeach, and therefore umafskalei shulchan. The shulchanis will stop him v'lemis ayale, and he's not able to walk along the wall because there's a shulchan in his way. Alternatively, we could say These extra shulchanis, they were actually placed mizrach mayrav, meaning from the entrance of the hechel towards the back, and so. Therefore, there was sufficient space to walk along the wall in between the shulchanos. However, because the shechina, it's not proper to walk directly towards the Kaddish Kedashim. Again, since Rav Meir agrees that there was only one parayches, he holds that it's not respectful for the Kayin Gadol to walk along the wall, staring into the Kaddish Kedashim the whole time. So therefore, he came at an angle. So now we have to understand Rabbi Yisrael's opinion. Rabbi Yisrael, he'll tell you, Yisrael is beloved because we do not need a shliach, which means each and every yid can daven Hashem without the necessity of an intermediary. Since we are so beloved to Hashem, the messenger that we do send to represent us is so exalted, he may walk towards the opening directly without it being considered improper. But now we ask Rabbi Yehuda Nami, according to Rabbi Yehuda also, Nail Bain Minara Lakaisal, why doesn't Rabbi Yehuda hold that he walks in between the Minara and the wall? Why is he walking in between the Mizbech and the Minara? Anyway, according to Rabbi Yehuda, there were two Paraychas, and therefore he should be able to walk along the wall and he's not staring into the Kaj Kadashim, so there's no disrespect. The Gemara answers because Mishachri Mane, his clothing is going to get dirty. The wall next to the Minara was actually blackened from the smoke of the Minara, and he's wearing white clothing, and if he walks by that wall, he's going to rub against it and his clothing will get dirty, and that's not respectful. Therefore, he walks in between the Mizbech and the Minera so he doesn't get his clothing dirty. We're going to stop here for the day. Everyone should have a wonderful day.